I read a story recently about a 16-year-old named Jamie Harrington. Uh, Jamie was on his way to the store one day uh, to get some Gatorade, and he had to cross across a bridge uh, to get there. And he saw a man at the bridge when he got there sitting on the ledge of the bridge on the railing. And he sees him sitting there, and as Jamie walked by, he asked the man, are you okay? But he could tell from the look on his face that, well, he wasn't okay. There were tears streaming down his face. And so Jamie pled with him uh, to come down off the railing. And eventually he convinced him to come down and have a seat with him on the curb on the sidewalk. And they talked uh, for about 45 minutes about how he was feeling and the reasons why he was feeling the way he was feeling. Um, and eventually Jamie had to go after those 45 minutes um, had passed. And he had something else he had to do, but he knew he couldn't just leave the man there, that he needed so much more than, than just a chat. And so he offered to call an ambulance. And uh, the man pleaded with him uh, not to do that. Uh, he said, no, I'll be fine. I just need to get up and walk around a little bit. But Jamie was persistent because he knew there just needed to be more. And so eventually the man allowed him to call the ambulance And uh, before the 34-year-old got into the ambulance, they exchanged phone numbers, and he went off to the hospital. A few months had gone by, and Jamie received a text uh, from the man that said, hey, my wife and I are having a baby. And then he shared something with him. He said, and we're going to name him Jamie, after the boy and the man who saved my life. He later told him that the moment that Jamie walked up to him on the bridge, he was about to go over the edge. And three words saved his life. Are you okay? The man said those words still ring in his ears today. Are you okay? Everyone is fighting a battle that we know nothing about. And you never know what God might do through a single phrase or word of encouragement. We're in a series uh, today called Stay Positive. And if you've been with us in the past weeks, you know that. And I've thought to myself, if only it were that easy. If only it was that easy. So I'm just having a horrible day. Things are terrible. And a friend would say to me, hey, Tim, stay positive. And I'd think to myself, thanks, buddy, who I never want to talk to again. I mean, how in the world is that going to be helpful? Would it have been helpful for Jamie to walk by the man and just say, stay positive, and on to get his Gatorade? Probably not. I mean, of course not. We know that. But we have to do the work necessary, right, to figure out how to actually stay positive. In our series so far, we talked about hope and how to have hope when things are hopeless. Last week, we talked about how to have confidence in God when things are rough. And if you didn't get to hear those, I'd encourage you to check them out. So where we're at today, the question is, where do you find encouragement? How do you stay positive? Is there somebody in your life that's been an encourager to you over the years? Someone that you're thinking of right now. Maybe for you, it's a parent. It's a mentor. It's a teacher. It's a coach. It's a close friend. Have you ever noticed that they can encourage you without complimenting you? I mean, encouragement isn't always a compliment. Sure, 
compliments are a way to encourage somebody, but it can be so much more than flattery. Encouragement, it can be a thank you. It can be a question that shows that somebody's listening and they know what's going on in your life and they care. It can be a smile or an action. And you can encourage somebody without uttering a single word just by what you do for them. Who's that person in your life? When was the last time that you encouraged that person by telling them what an encouragement they are to you? And here's a little tip. If you're ever preparing to talk on Sunday morning and you think about that too much, wait, encourage someone by telling them that they're an encouragement to you. That can get that can just run in your head and get you a little confused. Just keep writing. It'll, it'll work out. Trust me. So who's that person in your life? Maybe when I asked that question, you couldn't think of anybody. Maybe you thought, yep, Tim, don't really have people like that in my life. Well, you're not alone. Job, he found himself in a very dark season of life where he felt exactly that way. And this is one of the most direct, blunt interactions, and I absolutely love it. But before I show that to you, let me give you a little background here. Job was a man that lived somewhere between the 4th and 7th century. And he we don't exactly know where, the Bible doesn't tell us, but it does tell us that he was a man who honored God. This is a story from the Old Testament. And in that we learn that Job had lost everything. Wealth, health, all of it. Lost it all. And he had these friends uh, who were trying to help him make sense of really what was going on in his life and what was happening. But they were saying stuff like, well, it's your fault, Job. You deserve it. It's because of your sin. Nice friends, right? Well, let's look at what Job said to them. And this is that blunt reaction that I absolutely love. I've heard all this before. What miserable comforters you are. Why don't you ever stop blowing hot air? What makes you keep on talking? Have you ever said that to somebody before? It appears that Job didn't particularly care for their insight here. He goes on and he says, look, I, I could have said these same things if you were in my place. I could spout off criticism, shake my head at you. But if it were me, I would encourage you. I would try to take away your grief. Job says, if it were me, I would encourage you. And then he tells us what the power of encouragement can do. He says, I would try to take away your pain and your grief. Can it? Can encouragement do that? I don't know. But it can change your perspective. And that's pretty powerful stuff. Encouragement, it can actually change how we're feeling. Wow. We have no idea what God might do through a single phrase or word of encouragement. You know how Job knew what encouragement could do? Well, it's the same reason that I know what it can do. It's the same reason that you know what it can do in your life. I know encouragement works because I know exactly how it makes me feel. I know that that what it does over time, I've, I've come to recognize that sometimes I need that. And those that have encouraged me over the years, many of them have no idea how God used those words of encouragement in my life. My youngest son, he's 16 years old. And uh, Vicki and I um, learned 
last year that he wanted to swim. The coach apparently went around and said, we need more boys for the swim team. And he said, he and a buddy decided that they were going to give it a try. Well, we were quite surprised that he said he was going to do this, honestly, because our assessment of his swimming ability up to that point was based merely on the fact that we had returned home from vacations and he did not drown when we were on vacation. That was it. That's all we knew. So it'd be an understatement to say that we were a bit concerned for him because we knew how brutal the environment could be in high school sports. But to our surprise, high school swimming, that environment, was unlike anything we had ever experienced before. Swimmers and coaches, they really do ooze with encouragement for one another. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. Individuals encouraging individuals. Opponents encouraging opponents. It's from the fastest person in the pool to the slowest person in the pool. They encourage each other for the effort they put in, not for how they compared to one another. Now, I mentioned to you that this was a really new sport to my wife and I. And how they encourage each other? Well, that was a little new to us as well. And honestly, I found a little bit of humor in it. And if you know me, I do in most things in life. One of the ways that they encouraged each other is by telling them how to swim in the middle of the competition. Like, sometimes they do this. Anybody know what that means? Kick. Yeah, right. And sometimes they do this. That one was new to me. They run along the side of the pool and do this. You know what that means? Well, apparently, it either means go or go that way. And, I mean, you've all seen a pool before, right? It's a little hard to get lost, especially, I mean, they put up lane markers for you, so you just go back and forth. But... When I got past the humor of it all, I actually saw that they were encouraging each other. Teammates and members of visiting teams, they actually wanted to see each and every swimmer get better. little insider tip, that's called PR in the aquatics world, personal records. So share that with your friends when you're at the pool this summer. Swimmers thrived in that environment, both in their sport and emotionally. And my son was no exception. Now, I imagine that some of you are listening to us talk about encouragement and encouraging others, and and you're thinking, well, I'm not really good at that, Tim. I mean, maybe you feel like you just don't know how to do it that well. And that's fair. That's fair. But I would say that you didn't always know how to swim before either, or ride a bike, or walk, but you learned. Here's a quick and simple tip for you if encouragement doesn't come naturally to you. If you think something good, express it. It's that simple. Take the very moment that you think it and do it. Call someone, leave them a voicemail, a text, write them a note. Do it right then and there because, well, we have no idea what God might do with a single phrase or word of encouragement. We just finished reading through the book of Proverbs in the Ridge Reading Challenge. And this week, we read the following. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. And if you don't have a regular reading plan for you and the Bible right now, can I encourage you? Join me in the Ridge Reading Challenge. I'm going to let you on a little secret about the challenge. If you do it once, you've accepted the challenge. If you do it twice, well, you really are well on your way to a behavior that could really make a difference in your life. 
An encouraging word cheers a person up. Maybe your spouse needs to know right now just how significant it is that you have clean clothes to wear. Or maybe they need to hear that when they go out the door to work, that it's not lost on you how that provides for your family. Do you have a friend that doesn't know how much it means to you when they send you that what's up text? Does the barista where you get your coffee know that their smile makes you smile when you're walking out the door? That's a trick question. We can't go into our coffee shops right now without our masks on and they have to wear one too. So you have no idea if they're smiling or not. We'll get back to that, I'm sure, someday. Does your coworker know that that brief conversation that you had in passing with them about that thing that had nothing to do with work changed your mood and that it left you feeling better? Everyone you see is facing battles that you know nothing about. And sometimes you're facing a battle that no one knows a thing about. Have you noticed that when someone says something positive, that it's really easy to forget? But when you hear something negative or discouraging, it's often hard to forget. We tend to repeat the negative over and over in our minds, don't we? You know, neurologist studies, they indicate that we need three times as many encouraging comments as discouraging to influence a positive mood in our lives. It becomes part of our internal dialogue. We just repeat it over and over, and and we can do that at one time or another, right? And some of us, well, fight that more than others. That really is why what you believe about yourself is important. In 1 Samuel, David, who was a general at the time, he was returning home from battle with his army. And when they returned, they found their city had been burnt to the ground by their enemies. I mean, destroyed. Everything had been destroyed. Their wives and their kids had been taken hostage. And David and his men, they broke down and they were distraught. And as we often do when we're in those situations, sometimes sadness, it turns to anger. And in this case, anger was directed at David. I mean, they wanted to kill him. So we're going to join this story already in progress in 1 Samuel 30. It says this, David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. What's interesting about this, given our context of encouragement, is this last part. David found strength in the Lord his God. Some translations, they say it this way, David encouraged himself in the Lord as God. That's interesting. I mean, that means he actually had to find encouragement without help from somebody else. Um, Because I'm guessing those guys that wanted to kill him, they probably weren't lining up to tell him how great he was. So this was going to be between he and God, only one-on-one, Only with God was he able to find encouragement by focusing his thoughts on God. Maybe he found hope or confidence in God as we we discussed in those previous weeks. Whatever he did, the only way for him to find it was through God. He didn't have anybody around him who was going to do it for him. If you've ever felt like this, 
I want to read to you what David wrote. You may be able to relate to this sometimes in life. This is like taking a peek into David's journal. And it's just an example of how to find encouragement when there isn't anyone around us that's going to do it, do it for us. And David's real honest here. This is Psalm 39, 9-12. He says, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I'm dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin is drained on my strength. I am wasting away from within. I'm scorned by my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. When they see me on the street, they run the other way. I'm ignored as if I were dead, as if I were a broken pot. You ever felt like that? That's without a doubt a man that is pouring out to God what he's going through. And if you were here when Adam spoke two weeks ago, or you saw it, this is the moment where David is catching his thoughts, okay? And if you have no idea what I'm talking about in that, go back two weeks, watch that message. But if you need to find encouragement on your own, this is the kind of place that it starts, by telling God exactly how you're feeling. Catch those thoughts. Catch the thoughts about yourself that don't align with what God tells you is true. When David understood his thoughts, that's when he knew how to catch them. He began to challenge them and bring them in line with what God thought about him. He says this, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. David was encouraged by reminding himself that no matter how in distress, drained, saddened, or alone he felt, God was always there. That's how he challenged his thoughts, right? By focusing his thoughts on that truth. That truth encouraged him. Note, I didn't say it instantly changed his feelings. It is, however, is the truth that offered him encouragement. And I imagine this wasn't the only time that David had to remind himself of this truth. And that's where the change it part of catch it, challenge it, change it comes in. When we practice catching our thoughts and challenging them with God's truth over and over and over, things begin to change. God changes your perspective. We have no idea what God might do through a single phrase or word of encouragement. Sometimes you're the encourager, and sometimes you're the one being encouraged. Sometimes you're the boy walking across the bridge. Sometimes you're the man sitting next to him on the curb. And sometimes, as in the case of David, you're both. If you thought about something that you appreciated in someone recently, don't wait. Tell them now, right now. If you know someone that needs encouragement, you can take out your phone right now and you can send them a note. Don't let the moment pass. As a matter of fact, I want to challenge you with something. Will you encourage at least one person a day this week? 
Starting today, that's one time for seven days. It could be a text, a call, an action, a gesture. You could do this to them. I don't know if they'll know what that means if they didn't see this, but give it a shot. Take that challenge one time a day, every day this week to encourage somebody. Don't walk past them on the bridge and not say anything because you never know if they're on the edge in that moment. Take a moment. Sit down with them and talk with them and encourage them because we never know what God might do with a single word or phrase of encouragement. I want to take that moment right now to talk to some of you that may need encouraged. If that's you, maybe, maybe you're drowning right now in the negativity of life. Maybe your internal monologue is screaming out your imperfections. It's feeding your insecurities. Maybe for you that thought has led to sadness and loneliness and despair. Or maybe you're past all that and you're well on your way to bitterness and anger because you, you think it's safer. You, you've learned over the years and you think that that offers you protection. And maybe you've lost connection with the hurt because you've masked over it. If that's you, let me encourage you. You can face it. If your marriage and your job and your family are a mess and they just seem out of control, let me encourage you. God wants you to call out to him. If you're overwhelmed right now with depression and anxiety, let me encourage you. With God, you can overcome it. And if you think no one can relate, let me encourage you. You're loved by Jesus who walked in our shoes, who experienced all that we have experienced. And if you're filled with shame, let me encourage you. You are not the lies that you believe and that you tell yourself. God does not see you that way. And if you think your past has disqualified you for grace or forgiveness, let me encourage you, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And if you think you are beyond the point of no return, and that you're forever broken. Let me encourage you. You are loved by the one who conquered death and overcame the world. Let me pray. God, I pray for those that um, need encouragement in their life right now. I pray that they would see how perfectly loved they are by you. I pray for those of us that, that know that and that you've called to be encouragers, that you would challenge us this week to find one person a day to encourage, because we never know what you might do with that, how you're changing lives. And I thank you for your perfect example of love and your son Jesus and all that you've given to us. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.